below and welcome, independent researchers, skeptics, and all of humankind, shadow citizens. Welcome to episode 14 with my longtime favorite in your radio gun, Jack Blood. You can listen to our live broadcast and chat along at mixlr.com slash forward shadow citizen. We are also simulcast on radioconfluence.com and from there you can take us with you on TuneIn and Xeno Live. For a schedule of upcoming guests and past archives, check out our Shadow Citizen online. And we've got cool merchandise, swag endorsed swag. So please go take a look at it and look at our uh, fan page because people are sending in pictures. we got Ben from uh, London uh, in front of Big Ben with his T-shirt. So that's very cool. My name is Rob O'Sell and my co-host is Rachel L. McIntosh. And I am thrilled today to have Jack Blood with us. He's a former syndicated radio broadcaster, and he's one of the first voices heard on the World Wide Web. Um, This is the anniversary of me appearing on his show last year. And I was really psyched to find that out because I didn't hook him up to be on the show because of that just so happened. But um, he's very famous for the way he does research. He's an independent researcher, and he is very interested in how the super global elite do their business. He understands and decodes the doublespeak and the groupthink of the mainstream media, and he outlines the agenda of those who seek to control, misuse, or enslave the planet. He's been interviewed on numerous radio stations, syndicated radio networks. He's been in print media, network and cable TV. You've probably seen him on YouTube and on documentary videos. Um, He was on ABC Nightline. 360 Anderson Cooper on CNN. He was in the LA Times, the Austin Chronicle, the History Channel, A&E, etc. Um, Jack Blood is currently the guitarist and singer of the Seattle-based band Dead on Cue, which is, of course, the theme music for our show. So, with all that said, Jack Blood, welcome to our show. Hey, Rachel and Rob. That scream you hear at the beginning of Shadow Citizen, that was yeah. And we've come full circle one year ago today, you were on my show, and now you're the host, and I'm the guest. Uh, that's right. guess, that's the events of the year. We've, we've caught everybody up now. Yeah, symbiotic relationship here, a little yin and yang going on. This is cool. Um, but I did want to talk that this is not only the auspicious occasion of our one-year anniversary, you and I talking, it's also um, a pretty important day on the calendar, April 19th. It's the anniversary of Waco. It's also the anniversary of um, the Oklahoma City bombing. And it is also the beginning of a satanic holiday. Well, that's right. If you believe in these things, I can tell you that the elite do believe in these things. They, They pose themselves as Christians or Muslims or Jews or Hindi. Uh, Catholics, whatnot, but once you get up above the 33rd degree, okay, once you become aware of and part of this kind of ancient knowledge, you do practice it, even if it's just for superstitious reasons. So it is a pretty uh, auspicious day today. The Great Fire of Toronto, the San Francisco Earthquake Fire uh, would have been on the 18th. So there's 13 days from April 19th to Waspergaknock, uh, May Day. 
Mm-hmm. And I think especially now with everything we see going on in the world, um, it's not going to surprise me that it's going to be a pretty rough 13 days. And I, I had predicted oh, last year or so that May Day would be the beginning of, of what they'll call the American Spring. Uh, mm. The beginning of, uh, call it revolution, civil war. And none of that, of course, will be engineered, organized, or controlled by free people. It's more of another operating program. I've done a lot of shows on this day, guys, with the survivors of Oklahoma City and of Waco, where we lost a lot of children. And it's just heartbreaking to talk to the mothers of these children who were murdered. Yeah. by the United States government elements within our government this day in history. And that uh, can you can call that a conspiracy theory. It's actually conspiracy fact, because as we analyze what happened at Waco, when you talk to the survivors and when you get down beneath the, the fold, so to speak, what the mainstream media tells you a preferred history, and you talk about what really happened, there was no doubt that after the siege at Waco, which all could have been avoided. I think everybody agrees on that. Yeah, yeah. That the fire that was put on the Mount Carmel complex is what burned the complex and killed the children. And of course, the bombs going off all throughout the Oklahoma City Murrow building uh, killed a lot of children there that were in yeah. daycare. So in daycare, yeah. When you talk to the parents of these these kids and it's like how do you do it i can't imagine ever having to be in a position like that and i hope i never am so it is a pretty auspicious day and of course battle of lexington and concord today mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. we had talked to uh, james perloff about that he he did a blog post and posted it today he he thinks that that is also a false flag well i mean sure it, look the civil war <laughs> also started with the false flag, which you know I try to teach my own my own son about. So you know, I guess you can pretty much say that about anything. I would assume that if if the people, if it was up to the people, they would want peace. Yeah. And and there are a lot of complexities within the Revolutionary War and our founding documents, as we were talking about off air, that can certainly be debated. But we are where we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also the anniversary of the day that LSD was first taken intentionally. That I didn't know. Or yes, heard- it's called Bicycle Day, apparently, mm-hmm. to, to the community that's celebrating that. Well, then, <laughs> so today is, today is LSD Bicycle Day. That's 420 something. tomorrow is, as we know, Hitler's birthday, and it's yeah, celebrated Columbine, as Columbine. on a day in Columbine, you're right. Yep. Uh, so, but you can, I'm sure you could probably pick out most days in history. You know, I used to do a regular history report Monday through Friday on our radio show, and you could find, you know, uh, make any day, I think. Yeah, scandal really day, yeah. It. <laughs> exactly. But, but uh, today is uh, definitely, well, and if you look again through, just go through history and look April 19th through May 1st, and you'll be quite surprised at it. And it has, it is certainly something, you know, it's, it's, it's to, to, uh, honor, I guess would not, I guess that would be the word honor the fire God ball or, or Moloch who, who yeah. eats children or Nimrod, the sun God or Saturn. Uh, so again, you may not believe this, but the very powerful elite, many of them do. And, and they use this for their own power. 
what I've noticed, what I did notice is that after the women's March, people that I weren't, that I wasn't expecting, they started to do, it looked like they were doing some sort of spell stuff to like get Trump out of office. And I know that on May 1st, their buses are going to, going to be bussed into Washington, D.C. to kind of do a redo of the Women's March. Yeah, it, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess people have to have something to do. And I, I'm certainly never going to be the guy that judges, you know, people getting out on the street and, and those that take action. I mean, I... Right, I, right. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not anti that. But I am seeing how people are... Keep going. You talk. You talk. Well, no, and it's just that if you look and see what it's accomplished, it, it is really kind of a a pacifying action. So yes. you go out for a few hours, you know, once every couple of months or whatever it is, and then you go home and you feel like you've done something. And and though we do, we in the world that are standing up to power, that are exposing, you know, that the emperor is naked. Uh, we we do have to make that known, but that's not alone going to change anything. So that's just a very small baby step in accomplishing uh, consciousness and awareness, which is really where we need to go. And it gets very frustrating when you cover this on a regular basis and see that that's enough for so many people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It seems now, like all but of these- I know that. Pe- Go ahead, Rob, you talk. It seems like all of these events, so, you know, they're, in some ways they're kind of trivial. I mean, uh, I hate to say that women's rights are trivial, but all this marching, I mean, look at what they've achieved. And, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, and yet they still ignore what's happened to the Indians at Standing Rock, you know. But uh, all the ones that they do push, you know, it is meant to this divide-and-conquer agenda of just, uh, you know, just get people on on opposite sides of the aisle to be fighting with each other and it's it's really you know they aren't talking about important stuff <laughs> they're just talking about this trivial stuff that keeps us divided well that was the trump program which superseded the clinton program and it is working rather well i have to say however the recent you know, warmongering nation building and false flagging of donald trump has cost him a lot of his fan base, shall we say. It's caused them to question what they've supported. And I just want you people out there to hold those accountable because we did tell people that this is how it would go down. I I remember before Obama was elected, we had a pretty good rundown on on how his presidency would unfold. And I would have to say we weren't very far off on that either. So, you know, I think people need to be held accountable. So for those that are jumping off the Trump train, as they say, right, because yeah. of the attack on Syria, because of the saber rattling in North Korea or what have you, uh, the accepting of the alleged sarin attack false flag in Syria, which, you know, even the top minds and analysts have have agreed that that we certainly have a lot of questions on that minimally we either know it's a false flag or we have some very good questions that should lead to i think a decent investigation my point being is they can't just jump off the trump train and then you begin believing everything they say the next day and this really bothers me with the alternative media because they should know better they should be somehow more responsible i think in some ways than the mainstream media who is just selling soap pharmaceutical 
missiles, war weapons, and we know what they're about, right? So, so these people, the leaders in the alternative media community should be held responsible. So if they've been pitching Trump for a year and a half, and then one day they jump off the Trump train, well, that's good, I guess. But, but should we believe them tomorrow on what they're pushing and what they're selling? Good point. You, you, you brought up about, you know, holding these people accountable. And, I, you know, I look at our public officials, too. And I always, you know, if they come to my small city, it's usually, you know, a dozen people that show up, sometimes 50 people that show up. And it's always their, you know, great fan base. But if you can go out there and talk to them civilly and, uh, you know, get into a regular conversation and tell them that there is a different point of view. You know, I was listening to Congressman Waltz last night, and when he started talking about, you know, the sociopath uh, Assad and uh, how, you know, for one time he finally agreed with Donald Trump that, yeah, we did have to go in there and, and bomb that runway, you know, where they launched the sarin gas on his own people. And I said, why would he do that? Why would he do that? And he said, well, you and I could have this discussion later, you know. And so, and of course, the crowd is all there because they're his fan base. They're his closest allies. And they're, you know, they want the treats to keep coming to them, you know. Uh, but, uh, and, and that's what most of the people were asking questions about. Well, how come Trump is, you know, ending this program? And, uh, and, you know, I did manage to... And that the things that intimately affect our lives, we should be more interested in. And that's that's good, most likely. You know, this is, a, I think, a pretty solid case of wag the dog. Mm-hmm. Trump, and whose uh, son-in-law is, is being mentored now by Henry Kissinger, and yes. openly brag about this. Kissinger has been a part of this White House, as we predicted he would be the entire time. Goldman Sachs and... Uh, and Cohen, uh, a huge advisor to the Trump administration, he's also got Blackstone and Rothschild people very close to him. Uh, but this is a good case of wag the dog. So now he's given in, for the most part, to the global entity. And notice how the tone has changed in the media from we have to impeach him, we have to get rid of him, he's working with the Russians, you know, uh, everything was anti-Trump to... Is he, is he still technically working with the Russians in the mainstream media? <laughs> No, people have that theory, actually. It's still out there and people yeah. are still pursuing it. And and I actually think there is something to it, though not to the degree I think that it's being pushed. But I think the amazing thing is that these people that had supported Donald Trump now are on the same side as Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton. I mean, does that can you not just look around and see who you're in bed with and, and think, yeah. wait, maybe there's something wrong with this? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you were talking about the alternative media, and they were supporting Trump. And one of the big supporters of Trump in the alternative media was Alex Jones. And I know that you've had previous experience with him, and I'd like to hear your opinion about his the turn events with him supporting Trump and what what you have to say, because I heard through the grapevine that you were moving to Texas and you were going to be working with him or... Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I want to hear from you how that was going to go. Right. Uh, well, okay. And it's kind okay. of a long story, and I've told it before, so I'll give you the short. Yeah, for- give us the short synopsis. Uh, I'm in Providence, Rhode Island, and I'm programming. I've been in radio for years and at uh, WALE 990 AM. It's a 50,000-watt station reaching 3.5 million people in New England. Uh, very famous because we were the non-commercial station, and we were in the middle of the dial. We were very big, 
and all the other big AM stations, uh, we, we took them to task. Let me tell you, we did a pretty good job doing that, but it was uh, not long after 9-11 that one of my hosts, Rick Adams, had found this guy, Alex Jones, and and he was doing some really good work, I thought, very studious and important work on 9-11 and uh, had been doing this for quite some time. So that's how we met. Eventually, I went on to uh, a 5,000-watt station. Our, our station, uh, WALE, was bought by the Spanish. And in, in, so I don't even know, still know how this happened. But in a transfer that was actually against FCC regulations, I was escorted from my office in one day. So I went and found another station, WARL, uh, which was a 5,000-watt station out of Attleboro, technically, but covered Providence. And uh, we put Alex on. Um, from there, I went to Texas to work with Republic Broadcasting, which is the John Statmiller Network still operating today. Uh, then GCN stole me from, and it was uh, easy to do because I was being somewhat mistreated as the number one host at, at Statmiller's network. And then for three years, I followed Alex Jones, the Alex Jones show, on the Genesis Communications network. Um, he hosted my show. I hosted his show. We worked very closely together for several years. So I get a real look inside of the operation, so to speak. And this has always happened to me, and I'm sure to all of you. It's when you you get involved in something. A lot of people, maybe it's with the church. I remember that it happened to me as a kid. And you get involved, and you get very passionate, and you're on fire for the truth, or on fire for the Lord, and and you know you're very naive, almost childlike. And then you know you do such a good job. You get behind the curtain, and you see how things begin to work. And so, if it was the church, what do we have to tell these people so they give us enough money so we can get the new parking lot? And you begin to see how things really work. And you have to, in your own mind, start rationalizing uh, the the open fear porn, the uh, the disingenuous nature. Of, of the business, and you within yourself have to come to terms with that if you want to continue climbing the so-called ladder of success, or you have to decide if your dignity, your name, and everything you stand for is more important than commercial success, and that's pretty much what happened to me. So uh, we began disagreeing after a while, and and I was told I wasn't allowed to disagree, even though I didn't work for them. Okay, I really? was not an employee of Infowars. I was technically a competitor and a contributor. So the whole idea of this is freedom, right? This is what they'll tell you about freedom to, to believe what you want to believe, freedom to think for yourself. Well, that is highly discouraged near the echelon, the top, the summit of the Alex Jones Mountain. So uh, that that became uh, uh, just a major issue, and then I, you know, I'm gonna uh, live and let live. That's what I do. I'm not here to gossip. I'm no, 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 of course not. not. Somebody but that how was, how big is that mountain? How big is the Alex Jones? Mountain? Well, now, is, but now, well, I was gonna finish by saying we had Deborah Medina, who was a libertarian. I, honest, I, I honestly, I, I broke my heart. Her entire staff were 9-11 truthers. I mean, they were re all Ron Paul supporters. Mm -hmm. And we were about to do the impossible. 
And that yeah. was to unseat two Bilderberg candidates in Rick uh, Hairdo, Toll Roden, uh, Perry, who's now close to the president and secretary of energy, right? Mm-hmm. And Kate ba- Bailout Hutchison, we used to call her. Two Council on Foreign Relations, two Bilderbergers. We were going to do the impossible, and it was working. And Medina Fever had taken over the entire state of Texas. And there we were. Ready to to win. We were going to win everything we had told people we could do. We were doing, and because it did not uh, concern Alex Jones, because he was not going to get the credit for this, because they had cut him off for interviews, because I was involved and kind of the media liaison for the campaign, uh, Medina for governor of Texas, he sabotaged the entire campaign. Yeah, and I can go into the details of how he did it, but he called Dan Patrick, who was at that time a uh, state uh, representative, who is now one tick away from being governor himself. He loaded 9-11 questions into a Glenn Beck interview where she's waiting to ambush and where Deborah Medina answered the question correctly. Did anyone get her back? No. Uh, And then they set her up for a second interview where... Her words were kind of taken out of context, and they sabotaged the campaign, and the whole thing went down in flames. So, I know. I that, was ready. I literally was ready to move to Texas if she won. I, I was. I was, I was it so been impressed with her. Setting, and, and here is a libertarian governor for the biggest state. It, it Really, its economy, I believe, is 30-something in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would have set a beautiful precedent for the country. And he basically snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. And at that point, I, I, now I, I do talk about it because this is where that kind of behavior leads. Now bring us up to today, he has gotten what he's always wanted, and he is a celebrity. So yeah. being a celebrity, it doesn't matter if, if what people say about you is good or it's bad, or it's ugly, as long as they're talking about you. It's very Kardashian. Mm -hmm. So he's basically become a modern-day celebrity slash Kardashian, which I think is what he always wanted. I think that was a uh, Dr. Nick Baggage, you know, said that his dad used to tell him, uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity except maybe a funeral and then only if it's your own. And so, yeah, Jones is I've, I've always called him. I think I even called into your show once and called him the rush uh, or rush with road rage. And Rachel and I are trying to reach out to a little bit broader audience. And so uh, if people haven't heard of Alex Jones, I'm going to give you kind of two sides of him real quick clips here. You're a big tough guy, buddy. You just rammed into me. Ah, how do you like that? Now hit me in the face and see what happens, punk. I apologize. We have a family audience. That was wrong, and I won't do it again. So that's Alex Jones in two sound clips, and I won't do it again. The thing that really amazed me, though, is how he was somewhat integral in getting Trump into office. Uh, and Roger Stone was there, and I think Roger Stone was kind of like Alex Jones' handler for the, the Trump uh, campaign because they— they saw just how much uh, Alex had contributed to the Ron Paul revolution, uh, and though I think certain times he kind of sabotaged it too. But do you have any insight on, on you know, Roger Stone and his connection to Alex and, uh, you know, what's going on there? Well, <laughs> Roger Stone was Nixon's hatchet man for creep. 
uh, his long and sordid history. Do you know that he's actually in the past fixed campaigns by running both sides of the campaign? Okay. Nice. And he's so charming. I've interviewed him several times and, and pushed him a lot harder than I think almost anyone else has. He's a, the darling of the mainstream media, and he is really one of the most decrepit and, by the way, morally bankrupt people in, in the media and in politics. And people even readily admit that. In fact, he'll admit that. That's why he himself doesn't run for office, because he's got so much... So many skeletons, skulls and bones in his closet, he'd never survive. So the fact that that guy's even attached to Trump should make, uh, should smear Trump a little bit. But, but this is a guy that was, uh, you know, schooled by Roy Cohen, okay? And, and that's how these guys kind of know each other. So, you know what Jones does, the same thing he did with Charlie Sheen, is he latches on to things that are bigger than him. This is his whole philosophy, uh, below him, familiarity breeds contempt. And by the way, he's right about it. I tried to prove him not right about that by going and supporting everything when I was in Austin, Texas for eight years. And true enough, the people begin to resent me for, for <laughs> being so active, whereas he would only show up when all the lights were on. But, but subsequently, everything above that you latch on to or you attack, right? So that's pretty much where it is in... in I got to tell you, even if even if you have the magic bullet to expose who the guy is, he reached such a, a lowest common denominator with what he does. We're actually, by talking about it now, only promoting it. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> the, the, the I know I know, and I hate to do it, and I try not to talk about him too much. Although we all do, it's if you get into this community, you, everybody you know travels through Alex Jones land. There's another thing. I think it was on the uh, Ocelli show, Chuck Ocelli, that uh, he interviewed Roger Stone, and Roger Stone is talking about Trump, and he says, "No, you don't understand the level of narcissism that this guy is at. There, there is no limit to it." And it kind of you know makes me think about Machiavelli's The Prince. Uh, you have to have a, you have this kind of rule book of how to achieve power, but you have to have somebody that uh, you know, just they they have no limits on you know certain things. They have yeah. no conscience. So, uh, well, what does that say about us, Rob? That that they keep using the same playbook for a thousand, two thousand, four thousand years, and, and divide and rule and all the rest of it, and we just keep. We just keep uh, chugging along here. Keep falling for it. Yeah, and it, it is, and and the it, because there's so many distractions, and again, getting back to the whole wag the dog thing about World War Three and the rest of it, weighing that against you know having integrity and doing what you're saying you're going to do in the campaign, and and which we all knew was baloney when it was happening. And the fact that people keep falling for that, the fact that we keep falling for someone who's coming to save us. And that this guy lo is looked at as an anti-establishment, anti-deep <coughs> state, right? Shadow government, shadow citizens. Uh, <laughs> you know that he's so anti-establishment, and they're so scared of him. I mean, in the past, when that's happened, they've killed the guy. So you know that's not the truth. He's born with a silver spoon, sorry, a platinum spoon in his mouth yeah. uh, from a slumlord, you know, father. This is all he's ever known is that he's special and that he's important and that he's smarter and better looking than everybody else. And 
And he's another one that, you know, didn't care if the publicity was good or bad. You know, uh, some of the, the publicity, especially like surrounding his divorce and everything else. I mean, here's now the guy we were just talking about a minute ago, Oprah. I call him Oprah. Oprah Jones, uh, you know, going through this this custody case, this divorce case, and it looks really ugly. But but even Trump himself said, hey, I'm in the papers every day. And this is what Roger Stone said. Well, sooner or later, people forget why you were in the paper for this all this ugliness and this truth of what you do in your personal life and what what a morally bankrupt character you are. And all they remember is you were in the newspaper every day. So again, we so are. You can still run for office, and people vote for you because they recognize your name. Well, that's it. So name recognition, and and that barrier seems to have been broken. But I'll I'll argue, and I'll add that the Trump program is meant to destroy that. So it's meant to destroy any future outsider, any uh, potential Ross Perot's or or Ron Pauls or. Or maybe Rob Ossel, you know, or whoever, or Rachel McIntosh, or Jack Blood. It, it is, That's okay. That's okay. I'm cured. I'm cured yeah, of that. Gonna, I mean, you know, we, we no outsider that's going to be, you know, plucked from society will be president for a long, long time. And it, yeah. it very well may be the case that no African American will be president for a very, very long time after Obama. So these guys kind of end that paradigm to keep the paradigms constantly revolving. So my answer to that is to do away with paradigms and dialectics altogether. Uh, and it is right out of the old playbook of Carol Quigley, uh, the mentor. I'm glad you for, brought that up. I just started reading it again. <laughs> I just started reading it again. I had read it, I, I want to say, like, 15 years ago. And I don't think I was quite there, quote-unquote, there yet when I was reading it before. I'm reading again. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? You know, this is incredible. I'm glad you brought it up. Keep talking about that. Well, I'm going to jump in right here with uh, with our old uh, president. What did he say? If you've retired, you don't have anything to worry about. It's the third time I've said that. I'll probably say it three more times, see? In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again for the truth to sink in, to kind of catapult the propaganda. So that is the, the, the wag the dog media that's out there. They keep repeating the same thing over and over again. And I noticed that, you know, Congressman Waltz, when he came out, he kept repeating the stories that are in the news. They're just repeating it over and over and over again. And everybody's buying into that. So, you know, I, I also have a, a Lionel clip where he's talking about how the, the mainstream media just doesn't realize how big Alex is. But I don't know. Let's get off Alex Jones. And uh, I want to just for... Yeah, I want to talk about Carol Quigley. Okay, do that. Go ahead. I want. He was going to say something about that. Well, Go ahead, Jack. I, the, his, here's one of his quotes. And if you guys don't know Tragedy and Hope or you haven't looked at the analysis or even read it for yourself or understand who this guy was, he was a mentor at Georgetown to Bill Clinton and many, many others. And he was inside the what they call the New World Order, One World Government uh, uh, cabal. And he would argue that we need to just sell it for what it is. Quit trying to hide it. Just sell it because we think it's such a good thing. Why keep it a secret? Right. And so it's, it's amazing when you go and you look into the quotes and the activities of all of the people from, you know, a David Rockefeller to a Carol Quigley, et cetera. Yeah, Walter Cronkite, who was a huge uh, uh, believer and advocate for global government, that they really very openly talk about this stuff. 
But um, th- this is one of my favorite quotes by Carol Quigley that applies to Trump perfectly. The argument that the two parties should represent opposed ideals and policies is a foolish idea. Instead, the two parties should be almost identical so that the American people can throw the rascals out at any election without leading to any profound or extensive shifts in policy. Then it should be possible to replace it every four years, if necessary, by the other party, which will be none of those things, but will still pursue with new vigor approximately the same basic policies. And the people were freaking out when I was reading that and when I was sharing this with them. You can't possibly be serious, can you, Jack, that these two, these two parties could not be more different, that the difference between Clinton and, and Trump couldn't be more vast, more vast. It is, <laughs> it, look at the differences. And really, when you begin to actually see how the policies filter down to the people and then flitter around the world uh, in the form of, of Raytheon bombs, it, uh, it couldn't be more the same. So no matter who wins, Henry Kissinger is advising the president. No matter who wins, Goldman Sachs is controlling the treasury. No matter who wins, Janet Yellen is still in at the Federal Reserve, and the Board of Governors are still controlling the, the economics of, of the nation. Yes. Uh, and, and I mean, it's look what happened. That people just don't get sick of it at some point and quit falling for these saviors. But, but that's, I guess, human nature is to it hope. It is. Well, look at what happened with Syria. The minute it happened, every, I was disgusted. Everybody's disgusted. Oh, my God. Then it took me about, if we look at my Facebook post, I think it took me about five, four hours when I realized, oh, my gosh, this was just such a mind fudge. You know, like they just were fucking with us, basically. Excuse me. I just swore. Um, but this, what Hillary Clinton had been saying two hours before the bombing, bomb the airports. She was yeah. coming right out of her mouth two hours before the bombing. And then we had Trump with his dinner with the Chinese president having his delicious chocolate cake. We've all seen that clip. But he thought he gave the word to bomb Iraq. But then he changed, you know, it was uh, Syria. And then they shot off the tomahawks. And I was, Honestly, anybody had lived through any of the Gulf Wars, I'm the Gulf War generation, you know, you're like these, and you got kind of wired up. But then he said, wait a second, they're yanking our chain again. And both parties are part of this. Well, and the difference in the parties is only that the blue party can get away with certain things that the red party can't. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. obviously we saw eight years of no anti-war protests. (laughs) You know, you can see what they can get away with. The, The worst most, I thought, expensive gun legislation ever put forward since the Brady Bill, anyway, which the NRA endorsed, was the Nix Improvement Act of 2007, which all the, both, we got the comment from the McCain campaign then, the Obama campaign, they were for it, the House passed it, the Senate, and Bush signed it, uh, H.R. 2640, which was written in part by Carolyn McCarthy and Ted Kennedy. So that, that's what the Republicans can do, believe it or not. They're very good at legislating your, your Second Amendment away. So each party has things they can get away with and do. Uh, you know, Obama was very good at rewarding Wall Street because they're supposed to they, – they talk about, you know, making the rich pay taxes and all these things and accountability and a level playing field. And people hear that and go, well, they must be doing it. They're talking about it. But meanwhile, they're doing the exact opposite. 
Mm-hmm. So, but in reality, the two parties are opposites. One of the things yeah. I wanted to ask last night is, uh, you know, are you sleeping better now that uh, Trump has the the authority from the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, that now he can uh, play Judge Dredd? And uh, I didn't get to that question, but when we went off with, uh, you know, when we were talking about Syria, I said, well, uh, how did Libya turn out? When I listened to the mainstream uh, narrative, I thought that Gaddafi was just this evil psycho that uh, you know murdered everybody. But it turns out that his country was the poorest country in Africa when he started. It was the richest country in Africa when we took him out of power. And now they're openly trading slaves and selling human organs. Yeah, uh, you know, and they are they- not better off. That's for sure. And neither are the Iraqis. Or certainly, Syria was a beautiful. You can argue, look, I'm not going to stick up for any leader, right, for any government. As Bill Hicks used to say, all governments are liars and murderers. That didn't exclude one. And some would say, well, all but Israel. But no, it doesn't exclude one. They are all liars and murderers at the top. And it's up to the the people, public power over private power uh, in particular, to, you know, hold these people accountable. So I'm not going to, you know, be here singing the praises of Bashar Assad. I will say that the country is very sophisticated. It was secular. And and I guess in some ways still is. And now look at it. I mean, it was a beautiful, uh, it was a beautiful country, as was even Iran back in the day. Beautiful country, uh, up until the point where the bombs start falling and the people are all displaced and the suffering begins and millions of people die. Uh, and that's what it is. Look, war is an economy, and and it's you. Rachel, if anyone knows that, you know it. This is the economy. It is the economy. Yes. And it may be our top import. So we do do drugs probably first, sex probably second, war third, and paper, right, like Wall Street, that's all the way about fourth is is where we get for gross domestic product and our influence around the world. So that shows you just how important this is to keep it going. As far as your first question about Trump, let me say something on that real quick. The fact that they are literally grabbing people off the street and putting them in camps should have the <laughs> patriot community up in arms. Why aren't they complaining about it? So this is something that the Republicans can do that the Democrats can't do so well. Even though they were doing it, it's now taken on a whole new life form. So you look at that person and you say, well, that person's an illegal alien. They should be snatched up off the street and sent to back to wherever or held in a camp until a judge can rule on their status, which is exactly what's happening. But if they can do that to them, they can do it to us. I am speaking to you from Seattle, Washington, as an undocumented American. Where are my documents? Are my documents in order? Do I have the new enhanced ID. How do I turn out when I go apply for a job on E-Verify? Well, what's the status of my background check? What kind of credit do I have? What's my credit score? Am I on the no rent list now? Uh, so all of this, this, uh, this enacting and growing and funding and, and sharpening the knives of the police state eventually will get to people like me. Maybe not your, your more sophisticated of uh, white collar people out there who do what they're told all the time and uh, and and fight over the crumbs off of the master's table and are good slaves okay maybe not you but maybe you too because once they've gotten all of us they tighten the noose around your neck and then it's your turn 
man. It's all about joining the game, from what I understand. If you own stock, if you own, if you have a mortgage on a house, if you have a more if you have a car payment, if you're in the game, you're going to play the game, and you're going to be really on top of what your credit score is. You're going to try to pay your taxes on time, and you're going to keep feeding the beast. It's just part of your well, and there's something your, good about not having a lot to lose. Exactly. So I'm, I'm, this is the I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. 100%. Well, this is the problem again with people that are let into the room uh, with the very rich and successful is, and by the way, folks, what you're going to find, because I have been uh, uh, fairly successful before in my life running multi-million dollar companies, and I'm not going to you know, drag out my CV here, uh, going to the best school, some of that stuff. Um, what you're going to find is no matter how much money you make, there's always somebody looking down on you. And so you're always on that treadmill chasing, trying to elevate your status. And there's always somebody that looks at you like you're just a, a piece of dirt because you don't have what they have or you're not in their class or you don't have their breeding, which is kind of Trump's problem. He's, you know, new money. He's the crude rich. When he was trying to get in Palm Beach, all the old ladies there, they hated him and they were trying to get rid of him. And he's kind of had this problem his whole life. That's his insecurity, by the way. I guess that would be even his Achilles heel. But it's good not having something to lose because the more ingrained you are, and I guess this is common sense, right? But the, and it's something I think that could be lost on the millennials today, living in this TV computer uh, image world that we are in. That if you have something to lose, you have to to compromise yourself in order to keep it. And the more you have to lose, and the bigger nut you have that you have to make, the more stuck on that treadmill you're going to be, and the less likely you're going to be accomplishing what maybe in a universal sense you were sent here to do. You weren't sent here to make a bunch of money and have shiny cars and a McMansion. That's, that's, that's not your universal purpose, okay? And you will never be remembered for that. Only a few will be remembered. The rest of them will all be forgotten as if they never even existed. And think of all the time and the effort and the blood, sweat, and tears you put in to elevating your status and making sure your lawn was a little bigger or a little greener than the guy next door. That's one of the other things I brought up last night, and I brought it up before on my show. But uh, in that very room where I was in last night with the congressman, uh, back in the 80s, I saw Mia Angelou talking about her book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. And Rachel, you'd be proud of me. I plugged our show and said, and we just had uh, Catherine Austin Fitz on, and she talks about the big red button. So look up that story. And it's about, you know, all these people that are supposed to be environmentally, socially conscious and everything, but they're not willing to put an end to it because it's going to put the end to their their perks, you know, their lovely lifestyle. So, uh, you know, it, it's a, I, I just had to throw that in because it seemed to fit with where, where you were going, Jack. So Yeah, no, well, I mean, cl- the, the, the striving for your class stature and your credit score, it's just never-ending. And you'll never win. It's actually a game that's rigged so you can never win. And though I am a, uh, a free market capitalist, okay, I do believe, I'm not a communist. I, I, I'm happy for people that are successful if they do it the right way way and I this is one of the things going back to the millennials I really like they seem to be somewhat geared to to positive austerity which I can explain if you like and yeah, and you should. community 
because uh, I know you guys were talking about community banking here recently, but and and you know helping and giving back to your community. So at least on face, that will kind of be the norm, even if it's largely a sham. At least it is at this point. At least there is some direction there that you are accountable. That you should be uh, not just consuming, but also producing. And, uh, and I have a, a lot of hope, I guess you can call it, for, for the new generation. And I should say real quick, um, when I talk like this on the radio, when I do a radio show myself, anything like that, it, it's not performance art, okay? I'm not putting on a character. I'm not just saying what I think people want to hear. Oh, good. So when you and your, your wife go through your divorce and go well, through yeah. the child <laughs> stuff, they can't bring that up. Okay, no, no. good. No, that will maybe hurt me in the end. Who knows? <laughs> Although those people that look down on me because I wasn't as rich as them and I wasn't as good of a Christian as them, look where they are now. And I've been with my wife 18 years. And Yay! Have, uh, that's awesome. That's like unheard of. That's fantastic. So that's the important thing. Uh, my music is my performance art to an mm -hmm. extent. Uh, but, but what I'm saying on the radio hey, uh, is genuine as I know how to be. Can I uh, play a quick, uh, you, you know, I've got one of your quick demos here. It's called Know It All, and it features your wife. So I'll play it quick here, since it will fit right in, I hope. Rock out. It's feast or famine, kiss or kill, run and hide, don't pay the bill, crawl out window, scale the wall, say you speak, say nothing at all. That's dead on cue, and Jack's wife singing lead there. So thank you, Jack. Man, that song just went on forever, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few more of them here. It was uh, like a potato chip. It went down very quickly. Good. That She's was... got a cute voice. She sounds cute. Well, you know you're going to love it or you're going to hate it, so that's how it goes. But uh, she wrote all the words to that. It's called Know-It-All, spelled N-O. So these are, it's about negativity, and Greg Knight has nicknamed it the Wino song, because at the end it sounds like she's saying Wino, which I think is great. <laughs> hey, I like the ambiguous nature of our band, our music, even Dead on Cue. People aren't sure what that means, and I kind of... Yeah, tell us about Dead on Cue. I know this is like your new, not new, but this is your new band, and you're passionate for it now. So tell us more about that. The guy that just recorded that song also, I'm very proud to say, I've known him for a long time, is Jack and Dino. He did Nirvana Bleach. Uh, he, he's recorded, he's pretty much a major component of the so-called Seattle sound. And he's in a lot of great bands, his own self. Uh, still just doing amazing work. And he did our whole record. It's called Finger of the I-I. The I-I is the little lemur that lives in Madagascar. And the legend is, if this little, poor little, cute, kind of part rat, part monkey <laughs> creature with big ears, looks they look like aliens, if, if it points its big middle finger at you, it, it marks you for death. <laughs> so the superstition has caused people to uh, uh, react out of fear. And if the I-I, the I-I lemur, if it, if it points at you, then the locals will kill 
they'll hunt down and kill the eye eye to save their own lives. And I think it says a lot about the, the nature of superstitions, fear, and a reaction to that fear in our society. So uh, our record will be coming out, I think, in June, and we'll let everybody know about that. Let me change the subject because okay. you're talking about about sacrifice, uh, today yeah. being day of human sacrifice. The, as you know, living in New England, or maybe you don't, the New England Patriots chose today to go visit Donald Trump in the White House. There's super winners right. and a football team, if you didn't know it. And uh, on the morning of that auspicious occasion, their uh, murderous former tight end, Aaron Hernandez, was found hanged in his prison cell today. Mm-hmm. So about the symbology of that, the the uh, Lexington and Concord, the start of the official start of the Revolutionary War, uh, the Patriots going uh, on the 19th to the White House, and then the bad boy Patriot uh, dying and hanging in a cell. I feel it, it feels very message oriented to me. Do you, you want to you want to know something? I was just at the doctor's office when um, they had the flat screen TV blaring the news of this guy hanging himself, and the news anchor woman who was doing the story she was wearing a dress that literally was the anarchy flag huh. good for her it was, it was red on the top and it was black on the bottom it was, it's channel 10 and then it was announced today that bill o'reilly will be fired from fox for for molesting women i i got to meet bill o'reilly once shook his hand what a there's two people believe i two people whose hands i shook that just that energy really freaked me out. And he was one of them. And, uh, he's a big guy and he kind of looked me up and down, sizing me up as if, you know, why am I talking to him? And, and who do I think I am? Extremely arrogant, uh, Bill, o- Bill O'Leary, as we used to call him. Mm-hmm. And one of the top propagandists for the war machine and the police state. And, uh, there's another sacrifice, I guess. He gets his comeuppance. He's out after decades uh, on top, they say. You know, mm-hmm. Oh, the mighty have fallen. And you know, of course, he was, and talk about performance art, Bill O'Leary. Nothing in his real life, his belief systems, nothing like what he espoused on the air. So, again, more, more fakery, I guess. And it's just uh, quite amazing how people trust, e- even y'all, even me. I mean, don't, don't, you shouldn't. Shouldn't trust people so much, I guess, in the in the news, in the media, even if it's a, a cool alternative show. Uh, listen to me, contemplate what I might say, look it up, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, all of that. Hold me accountable. But uh, I don't. Uh, once again, he's a good Christian and a good conservative, working for the big conservative network. Uh, Fair and balanced, et cetera, et cetera, and he couldn't keep his hands off the women in the office. So there you go. And he will just take a little bit of time off, and they'll recycle him with a brand new show, just like Imus, and uh, <laughs> you know they got somebody there that people will. Follow well, I mean, it definitely way. hurts his credibility, and uh, it's amazing how these old people who love him and Sean Hannity, right? I did some stuff with Hannity, and you cannot believe how these old people especially the old ladies they love these guys that they, they, they can do no wrong so where does where does their immorality begin and start and yours end for supporting this i just never understood that's that's how deep the social engineering is that's how deep the, the call it mind control is yeah. is that these people can openly 
uh, do these things and act this way. And it's way worse than, than you'll ever know, I'm sure, America. No, but, but uh, And they still don't lose support. Yeah, Newt Gingrich is another one. You know, just yeah. As long as they were on top once, that people think that that's where they belong, and uh, oh well, he stumbled a little bit, but let him go. You know, dust himself off, and he'll be back. So, and we put up with it. So, uh, I I sincerely hope that more and more people, you know, just get their news from these, uh, you know, independent small sources. You know, because. You know, maybe once you get too big, it's uh, the temptation is there, and it's it, you know, it, your your audiences push you. You know, your ratings numbers push you. Whatever, the money pushes you. Your sponsors push you. you know, all those things are gonna send you off uh, <laughs> off the cliff. So, I think that's why. Or, or at the very least, I would hope that people would have more of an open mind to be able to hear real people talking about real things. It feels to me that the the media which people, of course, cannot escape. You go into a restaurant, there's flat screen TVs all over the place. You go to a doctor's appointment, there's flat screen TVs. There's all this media blaring at you, and there, you don't have the opportunity to ask the person next to you, hey, what do you think about this thing? You know, And if you could just talk to normal people normally and not have like some sort of prejudice about something that's been overlaid, I feel... I honestly feel it's gotten worse and worse and worse that you try to talk with somebody and they instantly have an idea about you about because of one issue. And it's, I feel like it gets worse and worse. And I really hope that our show shadow citizen allows for people to listen to these different types of views like Jack bloods or, or, um, you know, we've got Catherine Austin Fitz, Ben Davidson, the fantastic people that their views just, haven't been really heard far and wide and it lets the viewer the listener make up their own mind like oh there's somebody who's thinking about something that's different and our very first guest james perloff who's a friend of yours and uh, just came yeah. out with what 14 reasons what was it for why trump is uh reasons why the syria airstrikes were a really bad idea well but the main yeah media, and he voted I mean, for trump yeah he, he did he and i was like trump, whoa but... go go good luck but <laughs> Well, I think he voted the against... dog. Well, what is important to know about that? Yeah, was it a false flag? Uh, was it a pretext for a potential war? What, what's important to know is that before they did the airstrike, they warned the Russians and the Syrian yeah. government that they were going to hit. Yeah. And this is the whole thing that Trump was saying. Well, I'm not going to tell you what, what we're doing because that's what Obama did, and we're going to catch you by surprise. And, no, that's exactly what they didn't do. They warned them that this that's why literally the next day they didn't bomb the runway, whatnot. The yeah. Next day, and supposedly there was all this sarin gas over there, and they bombed it. I mean, does anyone? No, that that's so stupid. It doesn't that's even like, make sense. Who does that? Who does that? Oh, like here's a poisonous thing. that like Let's just bomb it and spread this poison even further. <laughs> If you're only thinking on half your cylinders with only half your brain cells, you should be able to come up with, no, that does not add up. Six and six does not make 13. Well, the other thing that's sort of driving me insane is the thing with North Korea. What, what, I thought the main focus was on ISIS and terrorism. Now all of a sudden we're getting all hot and bothered over North Korea. And they're, of course, their rocket, they tried to blast it off explodes which i personally feel was helped that explosion was helped along by our own cia um because they've launched other rockets in the past just fine um 
so I, I my so question Israel, is why are we focused on Korea? The, well, the Mossad capability, Mossad inventions, uh, Stucknecks, all that. They they hacked that thing and yeah, it kind of got caught. I think they wanted people to know in a way. Yeah. So. I, I think so. The thing too. about North Korea, it's very interesting, and and uh, I've been talking about this a little bit. Is it, it it contains one of the oldest poppy fields, right? Mm-hmm. In in human history. It goes back thousands and thousands of years, and this is why it's always been a very important region, much in the same way Afghanistan is, and why there's always been so much strife and war and, and uh, you know, death and the rest of it. it uh, and I can get into the scientific uh, reason for that, because you can grow, obviously, you can grow opium and grow poppies in a lot of places around the world, but it's more difficult, because in these specific areas, due to geo geological shifts it pushes the calcium up to the top which the is optimum for growing <laughs> your opium your poppies right oh beautiful so, okay and of course they never talk about that well before, no they never do before, i didn't even know this this yeah, is before fantastic. we were attacking afghanistan they didn't talk about that uh and now we we've seen what's happened this, this and, and of course here's again trump saying he's going to have a war on opioids all i hear is i'm not going to be able to get a pill for my back or something uh but but these these huge uh, uh producing areas and regions and this is what central and south america can be about with uh, uh la coca uh are very important and more importantly who who has the routes that go in and out and right. these massive areas. So this is an area that China and um, and sometimes Russia has controlled almost exclusively, and that's why China is is you know in the driver's seat here. A number one, they give them their food, they keep them going, uh, they like them being isolated because they're able to reap the rewards of just massive amounts of opium. Jack, uh, I so a lot of people didn't know that. A lot of people don't know that Iran is one of the top uh, manufacturers. They, two minute they warning, Jack. Less than two minutes. Convert, <laughs> they convert the opium into what we see, what might, might be seen as a China white heroin or something around the world. Yeah. So, yeah. so these issues, I think, are compelling. Um, I'm very. I'm going to tell you, if I was buying stock on World War III, um, I'd short it. I think it's just a, a massive amount of hype. Nothing yeah. changed. China will wants things to stay the way they are there, and and we are fighting them in Africa over resources as we speak, and in some ways I, the I, Middle I, East I as well. It, so they've certainly you know have have their own directives. Any, but the last thing they want to see is we'll, a unified Korea. They don't want to see that. <laughs> That's bad for them, especially with the United States using it as a satellite. So they're not going to allow that to happen. Business as usual, which means Kim Jong Un, the Kim are not going to commit political suicide by nuking anyone starting World War III, and the United States will never attack them with any permission from China. Not going to happen. Bingo. Okay, that's Bingo. it. We're out of time, Jack. Thanks. Uh, I wanted you to plug something, you know, anything. Uh, you, what, you've got uh, some takes coming How much up. time do I have? Seconds? Uh, we're done. Seconds, yeah. <laughs> we're off the air? Uh, no, we're still on no, the go, air. Go, uh, go. Say whatever you want. Friday, tune into Radio Free Blood. I'm, uh, I'm doing a show, and then I'll announce yes. from there on my Facebook. You guys can see what's going on from that point. I had planned for a big announcement, but we just ran out of time. So we'll have to... <laughs> <laughs> 
We will uh, put one of your songs on, and we're going to put on uh, Face in the Crowd, and I will add that so that it can be on with YouTube and that. At 2 o'clock, Radio Free Blood. You can find me on Facebook. I'm Jack Blood. You can find Dead on Cue on Facebook. Please like us. That helps us get shows. Thank you so much for having me on, you guys. Good uh, job. Great show, Love Jack. Thank you. And uh, stay bold. Right on. Thanks, Jack. Have a great day. You're a coward. You're a bunch of cowards. And you're getting too fresh. So button it. Somehow all those faces would be me, all me, and all nothing. 